ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Okay, all right, sweet. So, uh, big big news this week for comics. Uh, basically, we'll start off with none other than Marvel mainstay, one of the one of the big guys at Marvel, Brian Michael Bendis, just signed an exclusive multi year deal with DC Comics. Now that is mind blowing, which is crazy because he's been a Marvel guy. His whole, basically, his his whole professional career has been with Marvel. He's never written anything outside of. Uh, well, I mean, he's written some things that are non-Marvel but published by Marvel, mm-hmm. like Icon Comics, uh, like Powers and things like that. But yeah. he's been a Marvel guy, you know, his whole career is what I'm getting at. Yeah. For the last 17 years or so, Brian Michael Bendis has been one of the creative direct. like, it's not his position, creative director, but he has shaped the vision of oh, the yeah. Marvel Universe. He, he's, a, he's a big deal over there. Yeah. He uh, started off with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, a series that got many of our viewers hooked on to the Marvel Ultimate Universe Spider-Man when they were kids. back in the year. 2000 very much so and uh i think it broke the record also that series for the longest continual run by a writer and artist duo it went on for 111 issues all written by brian michael bendis and all drawn by mark begley yeah yeah he was on that title like a lot of uh a lot of comics they, they might have maybe a writer will write like couple arcs and then there might be maybe a three issue filler arc with maybe a different writer or a different artist but the two of them together were on that series unbroken for over a decade Mm -hmm. like you said over 100 issues which is astounding by today's standards yeah and that series kicked off the ultimate universe which although the universe is dead in its in marvel's current uh lineup of books yeah it was really groundbreaking. The Ultimate Universe, uh, yeah, they they had some good titles. Um, obviously, Spider Man being the main one and the one that most people are familiar with. But there's Ultimate X Men, Ultimate mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, uh, a lot of other interesting stories that we really owe Brian Michael Bendis thanks for all of that stuff. You yeah. Know? Uh, in today's announcement of it, it was actually announced via tweet by DC Comics. They posted an image saying, We are beyond thrilled to welcome Brian Michael Bendis exclusively to the DC family with a multi-year, multi-faceted deal. He's one of the premier writers in the industry, having created so many unforgettable stories wherever he's been, and we can't wait to see what he has planned for the DC universe. And uh, in response, uh, Mr. Bendis said, This is real. I love you all. Change is good. Change is healthy. I am bursting with ideas and inspirations. Details to come. Stay tuned. I agree that change is healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine if I were in his shoes and I was writing for one comic publisher for the better part of 17, nearly 18 years, I suppose. Um, Now, there's tons of characters in the Marvel stable to play around with, Mm -hmm. and he has. But I suppose at this point in the game, he feels like maybe there's... And I'm sure there is more that he could add to Marvel. It's not like there's nothing more that I can do for mm-hmm. Marvel. It's just let's see what I can now do with DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, recently in the last few years, Brian Michael Bendis, his style is kind I will of, be. Yeah, it I, hasn't aged. I will well. be honest. Um, I ha- I haven't been the biggest fan of Bendis's recent work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that his. In general, I dislike his work. It's more just his recent stuff hasn't resonated with me. If it has with other people, great. Mm-hmm. Um, not for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, Civil War Two, which was his last big Civil event. Civil War Two was that, pretty atrocious. Yeah, I gotta say it was pretty weak. It, it's pretty much the low point as yeah, far as Marvel good. events in the last few years. But we'd be remiss to mention a low point of his without uh, mentioning a high point. Mm-hmm. So to put it on more of a positive uh, note, I will say if you want to get into Bendis' stuff, his, in my opinion, his best works are uh, his Daredevil run, Alias, mm-hmm. and Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Those are three three great runs that I would recommend to anyone who's like, okay, Never read anything by Bendis. What do I read? You want to read those. Mm-hmm. Don't don't read Guardians of the Galaxy by Bendis or All New X-Men. Read Daredevil, Alias, Ultimate Spider-Man. Those will all be good reads, mm-hmm. I think, that people would enjoy. Yeah, the thing about Bendis as well is he's not, he's not uh, the only pretty much creative powerhouse for Marvel that has been picked up by DC. Oh, no, that's great that you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, on top of a couple others, like um, Jeff Lemire. Yeah, he Jeff was, Lemire. He was writing for Marvel for the longest time, and now he's back at DC. 
I think he's, he's also writing some stuff for Valiant, but he's back on DC. Yeah, roster. he was with DC, like, right when the New 52 started. Mm-hmm. He was doing Animal Man. And Green Arrow as well. Yeah. No, Green Arrow came a little bit later on. Yeah, like, the certain. first uh, 17 or so issues of Green Arrow were kind of weak, and then they brought him in, and he did great stuff with that. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit later in. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, he went over to Marvel. He's he's done a lot of cool Marvel stuff. Uh, Moon Knight. I thought his Moon Knight was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanos, he did that as well. Uh, Old Man Logan, some of his, uh, those yeah. are some of his stuff that he's done. But now he's back at DC. Yeah, and uh, Jonathan Hickman as well. The One of my orca- favorites. The orchestrator of Secret Wars and his... At his year-long, one of the best year-long epic, yeah, yeah, one of the best, in my opinion, long game writers. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's definitely a long-term writer more than a short-term writer. Like he has, he has insane plans. So, and those plans tend to pay off if you're with him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, I think Hickman at DC could be very intriguing. Yeah, I, I think like the word on the street is. Legion of Superheroes, correct? And I fully support that. Oh, 100%. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, cosmic epic with all the Legion of Superheroes characters would mm. be top-notch. So I have to ask you, Curtis, um, with him it. now on the docket of uh, DC's writers, which DC character would you prefer for Brian Michael Bendis I, to work on? I knew on? that was coming. Um, who do I want Bendis to write? This is, in my opinion, this would be perfect for Bendis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bendis, out there. I think Bendis could take a lesser-known character like the Question and write an amazing Question series. That, that's the thing I was thinking of. Well, were was, you thinking that too? I was thinking of that as well. It was for me. It was either Question or Huntress because, like you were saying, why not both? Why not both? Because what you were saying earlier, where he his best runs are on Daredevil, Jessica Jones, he really gritty noir. Yeah, gritty noir, very down-to-earth characters like street level. And I was he just, excels at that. Yeah, and I was just thinking beforehand, like, the DC Universe doesn't have that many no. street level. You have Batman and everything, and his... No, uh, we could really use that. Mm-hmm. But, like, question, he's like a, a gritty, like, hard-boiled so detective. And more of a mature question, too. Like, like uh, a mature reader's question comic mm-hmm. by Bendis could be... I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it would almost be similar to... Uh, Steve Ditko, when like Steve Ditko first created the the question, he was he was much more of a philo- philosophical and political character mm-hmm. rather than like a superhero character. But yeah, can you see- can do a lot of a lot of cool stories with the question. I feel I think mm-hmm. Bendis would be good at that. Um, Huntress would be interesting though too. Like we haven't really seen anything with her in pff, years. Mm-hmm. My one concern is him doing a Huntress run. Do you think it would be too much of a? Uh, uh, retread of his Jessica Jones stuff. Well, what if he did a question series and Huntress was like a reoccurring character? So he could like still write Huntress without like writing an ongoing with Huntress. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the the Justice League Unlimited cartoon? Oh Huntress, it was the Huntress in question. They were teamed up in quite a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Like they, that they were pair- pairing. Yeah, yeah, that pairing and like the the dynamic between the two of them and how they played off each other. Question being all the serious character, uh, Huntress being a little more lighthearted. That was a very it was a very fun dynamic. I think that would I think that would be a make for a cool comic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so we've settled that. We've got that news out of the way. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes of today's discussion. Thor Ragnarok. Now, Curtis, you saw the movie before me. I only got the movie in last night. Well, uh, you saw it before the show, which is what counts. Ah, and I love it. But you've had more time to kind okay. of gestate your opinion True. and everything. What, what is your take on okay. Thor Ragnarok? Uh, by the way, uh, going to start off with a non-spoiler review of Thor Ragnarok. So if mm-hmm. anyone who's listening to this right now and is concerned that I'm going to give any plot de- details away, do not fret. I'm going to keep this... Viewer friendly for anyone who hasn't seen it. And if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go watch Thor. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I very much enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was a great departure from the previous Thor movies. Mm -hmm. I I personally really enjoyed the first Thor. I thought it was enjoyable. It was very much like a Shakespearean movie. Mm -hmm. It was directed by Kenneth Branagh, so that explains. He he has directed uh, Hamlet and what was the... uh, He directed Henry V. Mm -hmm. He's an actor with like a Shakespearean Well, Thor has this rich mythology and you can do a lot with that. And this movie was very... It kind of reminded me of Jack Kirby Thor mm-hmm. with the very lighthearted tone and the the color palette too was outstanding in this film. Ooh. It was it was visually a feast for the eyes. I think like so much color everywhere, but I think my favorite aspect of it's probably the smallest one is the Bifrost. 
Whereas yeah. like in previous movies, it was kind of like this white ray of light that just shines down on people. Here, it is the rainbow road known in the exactly. comics. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like this movie captured the visual tone of the early 60s Kirby Thor comics that uh, Jack and Stan did together. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, yeah, I thought it was great. All the reviews that have been made uh, praising this film, I I don't think they're lying. So if you are like a little bit wary, like, can I really trust the general consensus? I think you can. Mm-hmm. I think I think if you're looking to have a good time, you'll come out of Thor having a good time. If you are, I guess, wanting to be sour and you're in a bad mood when you see Thor, maybe you won't see it in the best light. But I think if you go in expecting to have a fun time, you will. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe you will. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, for my for myself, like I got it in last night, I was ca- almost afraid that I wasn't going to be able to make it for today's episode. But after you got in there, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> making buses, I got there, and my theater experience is actually pretty solid. Like not number one, the customer service by the the, uh, the theater itself at Kildonan Place was top notch. Okay, and I was there was I was only one of maybe twelve people in the actual theater to see Thor. Really? Yeah. So there's a lot more room to space out of. You You didn't have to worry about like people either laughing or making other... Like it, It's good to have that my, vibe. My showing was packed, but I was also at IMAX Polo, Bull. which would be a stark contrast to, I guess, Killodon Place. It was a really nice time, but my take on Thor Ragnarok. Now, I guess one of my sins as a fanboy is I've kind of been really polarized as far as movies either these days if i either really love it or i really hate it and i made an effort with thor ragnarok to be as objective as possible that's good and i really enjoyed this movie i'd, I'd give this movie a solid actually i'll save that later but um you're right definitely the best of the thor movies oh D- un- and undoubtedly the best of the thor films yeah easily. um not for me not one of the best marvel movies i think there are some of the other ones like for me Captain America Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier is, is a highlight best. for a lot of people. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, that was great. But this is still still a really I enjoyable movie. I think this is up movie. there, though, for me. Oh, yeah. And uh, for, for my... I really enjoyed, like, Thor actually had a story arc in this one. He, he was kind of just, like, a static character. Well, he's world. grown so much from the first Thor film, which I, I can see, like, maybe people who... Not, I mean, like I said, not many people had many bad reviews. Like, almost all the reviews I've ever read for this film have all been good. It's sitting mm-hmm. at, like, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Um, but there might be the odd review uh, criticizing this, This the I guess, the tone of the film. But think of it this way. Thor has grown as a character. Do you necessarily want all the movies to be the same tone? No, no not at all. No. You want to ha- see some growth. And you, you can balance the tone, too. Like, it it can be lighthearted, it can be serious, but it can't just be one or the other. Like, it mm. should be both, I think. And I think it does work as both because uh, yeah. it, it is one of the most vibrant... It does M- both. Yeah, it is one of the most vibrant MCU movies out there and definitely the most vibrant Thor movie. But I'd say it's actually one of the most violent MCU movies and actually the most uh, one of the most adult MCU movies. It has movies. some great action sequences. Mm-hmm. Amazing opening scene. Yeah, I but thought it, the opening was awesome. Oh, the opening was great, but it's clear in a lot of the battle sequences in the movie, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. you're seeing Well, Hela is dying. ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, not Kate, uh, Kate Blanchett was was a very good Hella. Yeah, and I was just talking with uh, Mike, one of our uh, program managers here, before, and this is probably like the hammiest we've seen Kate Blanchett. She was just chewing the scenery. Yeah, <laughs> she, uh, she was having fun, and I think when you're having fun in your role, you're gonna you're gonna turn in a good performance. Mm-hmm. You're not there for a, a quick paycheck. You're actually genuinely having fun, which yeah. is I spe- I think speaks volumes into this movie because in general you could tell everyone was enjoying themselves in the role. Oh no doubt. This was Chris Hemsworth's what his like fifth time playing Thor? His well three Thor films, uh, two, two, two Avengers. Avengers films and yeah that that's five. The, the stinger in Doctor Strange but it's revealed that that's a scene take I in. guess so. But yeah. yeah, I mean needless to say Chris Hemsworth has been doing this for a while. It could get stale, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Nope. I'm glad to say it did not. He was having fun and they they changed up the dynamic. That's how you keep doing these movies is the MCU has been around for a decade. How do you evolve? You got to try out different tones. You got to experiment. You got to try new things and i think they did just that yeah and without getting into spoilers like this movie really does like change the yeah landscape. there there is some epic there are some epic moments that really do change how things progress from here on out that mm-hmm. 
we can't really say we would love to if you're listening right now and you haven't seen it don't worry um we'll, we, we'll, we might be talking spoilers we, or, we later will on and we'll episode. warn you we'll give you a warning and we'll keep it to a specific time frame that you can tune back in exactly but uh as much as i enjoyed the movie uh there were some disappointing aspects and that's of fine me. you you can state uh maybe things that you thought could have worked better yeah like uh for me probably the biggest the biggest complaint i'd have for the movie is well, the biggest complaint a lot of people had for Dark World was too much humor. Like Thor, that's interesting. I thought people wanted more humor in the Dark World. It, for, with Dark, like people wanted more humor in Dark World, but it was just too much at times. Or like, maybe the humor. Was, maybe it wasn't a a question of too much, but maybe the humor just didn't land as well. It, the thing the thing was with Dark World, it was just joke after joke after joke after joke, and some of them were like really funny, like especially the part where they go to Jane Foster's apartment and people like hanging their stuff up, and Thor's like, do I hang the hammer up or will <laughs> I just bring everything down? <laughs> that was funny. But it's like the rest of the movie was just... It, 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 was, it ruined the dramatic moments okay. of Dark World, especially the fight with Malekith when it's like slapstick humor. I thought Malekith was criminally underused in that mm-hmm. movie. That was one of the main flaws with the Dark World was he's a great villain and the actor. Christopher Lecklestein? Yeah, fantastic. Just criminally underused. I, exactly. And uh, similar thing with Thor uh, Ragnarok, more, more of the jokes definitely landed this time. Like, this is a very funny the, movie. The theater that I was at, we were having a great time. It was it was such a fun experience. Oh, same here. Even with like my eleven other people <laughs> in the theater, like we were we were all laughing. As long as you were having fun, yeah. But it's like still, while way more of the jokes were landing in that, and you were yeah, having it was a, a time, genuinely funny movie. It still gets tiring at time with the amount of jokes. Where it's just like there's and that's joke lands, say. then another joke, then another joke, and you're like, okay, I, I get it, that was funny, but we need like story progression here, and. I'd say even some of the jokes kind of take away from the dramatic moments in this movie. Where that, it's like you, you that's need a fair thing to, you, you need to the quiet moments just to soak in like what's happening. And the, when somebody throws out a joke, you're kind of taken out of it a little bit. Well, you can never call Marvel bland. Mm. At, I mean, whether you like the humor or not in their films, or maybe certain people are more accustomed to grittier films, you can never say. The MCU is bland. If anything, they are always willing to try something new and do something that works for them, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is awesome. Yeah. My other my other complaint, I loved Kate Blanchett in this movie. She was eating it up. She had a great time, and you're you're having a great time watching her. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Hela could have been more developed as well. Like, they lay she out... She was better than Malekith. Definitely. But still, there's a lot of room to grow. Like, they lay out her backstory. This movie was that... two hours long. Mm-hmm. Was it? I Yeah. It, it was only two hours. It... it... It didn't feel like it. it almost, I think. It felt I mean, like it might have been two hours and ten minutes or whatever, but either way, they, yeah, it was a very brisk, fast-paced movie, so that is, it's fair to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, I just feel they fleshed, they said her, they laid out her backstory, um, her plans and everything, but I feel like we could have received more of her personality, like okay. how she is, like, we get we get scenes of her, but we don't have a lot of scenes where, like, we see what's behind her and everything. This movie was, uh, I want to mention, was kind of uh, split into two parts almost. Uh, like, a, it was a full-on Thor Ragnarok movie while also being, like, a funny Planet Hulk buddy adventure between Thor and Hulk. So mm-hmm. you get a little bit of both in this movie. Um, so it's not wholly dedicated on one, uh, on either one of the storylines. It's a blend of each. Mm-hmm. So that is fair to say that maybe you wanted a little bit more of the Ragnarok aspect of it uh, with Hela and mm-hmm. maybe developing her a bit more. But I thought they balanced it pretty well with the time that they do have, right? Mm-hmm. Like they really, I, I made it clear in previous episodes of Beyond the Panel that I am a huge fan of Walt Simonson's Thor run. As am I. And the, the best Thor run that's out there. Yeah, tied, tied Outside with, of Aaron, I guess. Yeah, tied with Jason Aaron right yeah. now. But um, they really dive into Walt Simonson in this movie. Like, yeah, you get it, it channels that Walt Simonson and, and the Kirby that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that too. You, this, really feel, this really does feel like a cosmic movie. Like, you get all the aspects of it. You get Surtur, oh, you get Hela. And like, like you were saying, I, like, I, I wish there was more of it. Not not to detract from the Planet Hulk. The Planet of Hulk stuff was hilarious and exciting. Hulk's Hulk storyline was really cool in this movie. But to just see, like, this cosmic playground that is Thor's territory, it's His great. mythology is so outrageous that this movie didn't take itself too seriously. Like, when you really sit and think about Thor and who he is mm-hmm. and, like, 
all the things that he can do and like who he interacts with he's not a grounded he's a completely outrageous character right like he he wields a magic hammer he lives in Asgard that has a rainbow bridge he can and he, fly with the hammer yeah he, he interacts like with all him. kinds of creatures like this is not this is not a character that you can necessarily relate to mm-hmm. but in other ways it's a character that you can be inspired by uh, that you can kind of get escape from reality with it's when you're when you're watching Thor it's not so that you can relate to him like Spider-Man mm-hmm. it's so that you can get away and have a fun adventure mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah and this movie delivered on that for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and um, like we said earlier, this movie definitely has consequences for the larger MCU. Oh yeah. And uh, we'd also like to take a moment here just to after yeah, uh, none that we can say without spoiling anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, like there's definitely we we want to talk about more about what's coming up as far we of course we have Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, let's up. let's look to the future now. So if you have been listening this far, we may delve into a little bit of spoiler territory just addressing f- the future of the MCU. So if you are listening, uh, maybe tune out for a little bit and come back to our show just so you don't uh, get anything ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Um we we'll, we should we just take it kind of movie by movie talk about what's coming up next. Yeah, I guess we'll start with what's coming up next. Yeah, so right after Thor Ragnarok, before Avengers: Infinity War, we have Black Panther. I am very much looking forward to Black Panther. The trailer looked very unique and cool. Mm-hmm. This trailer, like itself, was definitely like awe inspiring. Like I remember, like Black Panther's a cool character, but when like they released the teaser trailer, I was like. Meh. Okay, that that no, looks they, all right. No, they really realized his world and his supporting cast, I think, very well. Mm-hmm. It was super, it, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for Black Panther. Yeah, and it's cool It's cool to see Andy Serkis back. Like, we, we saw a bit of Andy Serkis in Avengers Age of Ultron, but he and uh, Michael B. Jordan, yeah, yeah, they're going to be the uh, main character, you main got, villains. Uh, Andy Serkis is Claw, the mm-hmm. master of sound, yep. now that he actually has his... Uh, cybernetic uh, arm from the comics, and then you got Michael B. Jordan as uh, Killmonger, yeah, another Eric Black Killmonger. Panther vi- uh, villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm not too familiar with uh, Black Panther's Rogues Gallery, but it's definitely cool to see a different side of the MCU. Like all, almost all of their properties have either been set in space or in New York, and it, right, yeah, and it's cool to see other parts of Earth being shown, especially Africa. And Wakanda. Wakanda being the most technologically advanced society on Earth. Like, Mm -hmm. they are miles, years, they are years ahead of, like, every other city, which is insane. Oh, yeah, and, and like, I... I, We're going to see some crazy stuff in this movie. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt about that. And especially um, when I was following up on the the behind-the-scenes stuff and just, like, interviews that the director has, like, talked about, and even just the trailer, it's clear that... It's not... This isn't the technology made by Tony Stark. This isn't the technology made by Bruce Banner or anybody. This is purely Wakandan tech. Yeah, it's very distinctive. It has a, it has a distinctive they, look to They it. don't share their secrets. Nope. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they're, they're living in a completely other time, essentially, which makes them... Makes for a very in, intriguing movie, I mm-hmm. think. So, going no. forward from Black Panther, unless you had any more to add about the film that you're excited for? Uh, nothing more to add about Black Panther. I'm excited about it. Um, unlike other uh, MCU movies, I'm not too sure what to expect from Black Panther. Okay. I'm, I'm going in knowing very little about the character, which I understand it, like uh, that's, that's criminal for me. I definitely want to read up more on Black Panther. But as it I stands, love Black Panther. Do you? I've uh, I really enjoy him in uh, Black Panther. Do you? I've uh, I really enjoy him in uh, Hickman's like Avengers run. He's mm-hmm. part of the the Illuminati. Yeah, he's a, big, he's a big player in that. So like I've I've grown to really love Black Panther as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm super excited. Yeah, like in, in what I know about him in the comics, though, is uh, Prince T'Challa. He is definitely he is a foil to pretty much all of the American heroes. He is. He is one of the smartest men on yeah. Earth. Well, that's why he's part of the Illuminati, which mm-hmm. is made up of the smartest people on Earth. He's one of like the most athletic and physically fit men on Earth. Like, he's, he's he, able to go he would definitely he would definitely be one of the greatest uh, unarmed combatants mm-hmm. in the MCU. And besides, like Iron Fist. And, uh, and remembering Shang-Chi. what I saw on a Forbes article, he is also the richest. MC oh, character. Oh, well, Wakanda. Wakanda, I mean, of course. He, he's the king of Wakanda, and Wakanda has all the vibranium, and they're the most when, when economically was... uh, advanced society as well. Oh, yeah, and it's... Uh, yeah, all he's the definitely Waka- the richest. All the vibranium is, is property, and in a 
Forbes article mi- mixed with um, what they were saying in an issue of Black Panther. One ounce of vibranium is worth like a billion. Oh, well, it, it's, it's worth the like rarest a billion dollars. And, like most powerful element. Mm-hmm. And his personal vault has about 2,000 ounces of vibranium. Oh, yeah. Well, so he's, he's a trillionaire all on his own. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's, a, he's a sweet character. Anyone who hasn't uh, checked out Black Panther, definitely, definitely read the current run um, or go back and read like New Avengers by mm-hmm. Hickman. Yeah. So With that being said, uh, yeah, let's dive into now Infinity War. Before we go into Infinity War, should we go into the spoiler review of Thor Ragnarok? Yes, uh, I feel like we can't about. really talk about. Yeah, we can't really talk about Infinity War without like saying uh, some spoilers for what happens in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're listening right now and you don't want anything spoiled. Tune out for a little bit and then come back in a bit. Or uh, we'll probably we'll stop with the spoilers at about six fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, like a good time. Fine. Able to just vent because we have a lot to. Oh talk yeah, about. yeah, yeah. We can't really accurately say our opinions without being able to spoil stuff. So mm-hmm. with that being said, let's get started. All right. So the first thing we need to discuss about Thor Ragnarok, the destruction of Asgard. I mean. I guess if you know the Ragnarok storyline, like, you know that's going to happen. But mm-hmm. to anyone who, I guess, hasn't read that, yeah, that's a huge spoiler. Rag- like, Ragnarok completely obliterates Asgard. They are gone. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, you can't rebuild. Like, they are, they are done. Yeah. No, that's the, it for... The plane of Asgard was destroyed. That's it for them. By Surtur. Yes. Thor. looked awesome. Thor knowing... After a long battle with Hela, like, Thor, Valkyrie, and Loki doing their absolute best. Yeah, they the realize... They cannot beat Hela. She is too strong. Asgard is what powers her. So they call on Surtur to destroy and their home. And he wrecks Asgard. <laughs> he holds nothing back. Can I just say how entertaining Clancy Brown is yes, as please. the demon Surtur? He was fantastic as Surtur. Oh, it was... This is probably one of the best Clancy Brown performances yet because it's probably a combination of his... Not his Mr... His appearance on Rick and Morty <laughs> and... <laughs> On Venture Bros as well, where yeah. he plays the r- Well, he has death. a really distinctive voice. Oh yeah, and he doubles down on like his baritone here. And there's a lot. There's a couple of like comedy moments, but between Surtur and Thor earlier, where like Surtur's kind of like lounging on his couch, and Thor's kind of like chained up in front of him, and it's like they're having like a back and forth where it's like Thor knows Surtur will eventually destroy Asgard, but for now they're kind of like not enemies, but definitely not friends. They they know each other. Oh yeah, so. Yeah, um, if any character deserves, like, a fourth movie, I feel like it would be Thor, just because you can still do so much more with him as a character and Mm -hmm. all of his mythology. But, yeah, Asgard is gone, so they are... Well, all the people are saved, too. Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't any casualties. They were able to, as far as we know. There were... As far as we know. There definitely were casualties. Well, there were casualties before they they evacuated. Like, lots of Asgardians died, of of course, from Hela. The most shocking are the Warrior Three. Yes! Volsteg, oh my goodness! Bindle, I guess that that would be one criticism is we didn't really get a good send off for the, the warriors like Volsteg, Fandral, and Hogan. Yeah, Volsteg and Fandral they got wiped out. They, they just did, they got they got killed. Fandral didn't even get any lines. Hogan at least was able to like hold off Hela for a little bit. So I mean, he kind of got some a little bit of justice, mm-hmm. but he also died. So I am sad about the Warriors three. And of course, the big death that kicks off the events of the movie is Odin. Yes, Odin dies. Um, not not in battle, but it's it, it's revealed it almost that, like willingly because I don't know if Odin would really he yeah he, like, die if he didn't want to. Loki stole Odin's power and trapped him on Earth, but in that time without that power, I think Odin's kind of going okay. I'm not immortal anymore, and so he, he starts to uh, yeah yeah because Odin's been alive for millions of years. Mm-hmm. Like they even make an offhanded remark about uh, Odin like fighting. Um, like Surtur like a half million years ago or whatever. Mm. And even in uh, Dark World we see his war with Malekith. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, he's been around for some time. Yeah. So uh no, like this is this movie is definitely end of an age where the Shakespearean Asgard and Thor that we knew in the first movie and even the little bits that we saw in Dark World, this is at an end. We are now seeing a new era of Thor where it's like it's a much more cosmic. It I, of course I was saying it was cosmic earlier, but this is a much more 
almost guardians of the galaxy. Somewhat, yeah, because now they are in space. They're in a ship that, um, like, all the surviving Asgardians are now in a ship with Thor, Valkyrie, uh, and Loki. And they're kind of just wandering. Uh, they do make a, a statement basically saying Asgard is a people, not a place, mm-hmm. which I think was nice because, yeah, I mean, yeah, their home is gone, but they they still are... As long as they exist, there will always be Asgard. Oh, yeah. You know? And I, I feel like that point should have appeared earlier in the movie. Yeah. Because that, that lesson doesn't really appear to Thor until near the end of the movie. Right. If you, if Odin had said that at the beginning when it's, he's having the final sit-down with Thor and Loki, where he's like, okay, Asgard's a people, I think, I think it would have had a much more of an oomph. That's fair. Where it's like, but the message and almost the Aesop of the movie is revealed in the last last third of the movie let's talk about that end credit scene whose ship do we think that was thanos thanos or his maybe the black order maybe it wasn't like thanos himself but like his <laughs> his uh second in command yeah it's uh it's definitely got dire dire circumstances uh, and that's for the Thor thing is this is setting up now infinity war because black panther is, is going to be entirely on earth in wakanda mm-hmm. so this scene basically with them in space all the asgardians thor valkyrie uh hulk was with them too in the ship right mm-hmm. um and loki like all of them are in the ship and then we see this massive ship that just dwarfs them completely and that's kind of the end of the end credits scene and that ship kind of has it has that it guild thanos, yeah. that golden trim it that all of was. thanos's stuff has had yet so. yeah but um and even did you manage to see the Infinity War trailer air quotes I, I, when it I came did, out? I did, yeah. So I was able to see it when it got leaked. Yeah, what happens in that one? Okay, we still have a few minutes of spoilers. What happens in that one or is lost his eye by the way. Yeah. That that, <laughs> that was, was crazy. That was definitely out of like out of left field where Hella removes Thor's eye. I was not expecting that just because I had seen the the Infinity War teaser and Thor still had his eye. That's the thing. Like that's such a great misdirection on Disney's that was part. Great. Yeah. Where it's like by showing that, like we we wouldn't expect that at all. We one just one step closer to being Odin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's got the black eye patch at the end of the movie, and he is the captain of the Asgardian spaceship now, and almost like a like a Kirk chair. He yeah yeah, but. Uh, no, and where the Infinity War thing starts off, it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy, they come across almost like a battle, mm-hmm. and they find Thor adrift in space. So yeah, so that'll probably be how that movie opens up then, is continuing where that end credit scene of Thor Ragnarok left off, so, I guess, with them engaging the ship. Do you think the Asgardians are doomed then? Like, if Thor is going to be found floating in space among there, debris... There could, be, there could be some casualties, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're going to be entirely obliterated, if that's what you're asking. I think they're all... There will be some casualties, but not all of them will die, no. Okay, that's good. I, I certainly hope not. Oh, yeah, no. Like, sad if Thor was the last Asgardian. And the movie the movie really hits on the emotional aspects, especially Scourge's last stand. Oh, yeah, that was beautiful. At Shadar 4, as that's like pulled from the comics. Yeah. Where it's, uh, Scourge has been kind of like an anti-hero, but then he becomes a villain in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, but then he sees the women and children being threatened, and it's, it's a really emotional scene because you know, like, the guys are like the good guys are losing yeah, he finally realizes that he messed up mm-hmm. and he needs to do what he can to help his people survive and he uses Des and troy his like m14 yeah and he does it in style mm-hmm. i will tell you that he he goes out with style mm-hmm. for sure which uh, is nice to see and it was, i was like reading an interview as well with carl urban yeah, and he, and he says he actually put on a ton of muscle for yeah, this movie. Yeah, I, I read that too. I mean, he looked really big in this movie. You never see him outside of his like his bulky armor, but yeah. like he definitely had the appearance of being very large and intimidating. I would not want to get into a fist fight with Carl Urban. No, I'll tell, I'll tell you that. Oh, no, not after we saw what he can no. do. No, I would not. Yeah, but not at all. But uh, no, and so Infinity. I guess. Oh, and the final thing that ties into Infinity War. Yeah. Loki and the Tesseract. Yes, obviously he he would not leave Asgard without snatching away some of its most powerful relics before mm-hmm. it got destroyed. You know that he has the Tesseract and that he's going to do something with it. Well, it's like even in the uh, trailer for Infinity War, we see him lifting up the Tesseract yeah. to Thanos. So is he going to have... This whole movie has almost been like a story for Loki as much Loki as Thor. Loki was great in this movie. Where like he has so many... He has so many changes of heart where he goes from good guy to bad guy to good guy to bad guy. And at the end of the movie, he's kind of like, you know what? 
I'm he's a good guy. He's not such a bad guy. I mean, compared to some other really bad characters, he's yeah. not such a bad guy. So are, are we going to see... He's done some bad stuff, though. Are we going to see him going back to being bad in Infinity War? I mean, he War? was serving Thanos in the first Avengers movie. That was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's really going to want to do that now. He mm-hmm. might want to use that to help the good guys defeat Thanos, or at least provide them with something that can maybe tilt the war in their favor. Mm-hmm. But... Infinity War will be very interesting to see how they balance like all these characters, storylines, mm. and one, one line from like two, or two lines from Hela I want to talk about. One of them, especially involving the Tesseract, where it's like Marvel is doing a good job. Where it's like Infinity War is definitely the buildup of everything they've it's done. It's the culmination of ten years of storytelling. But they're thinking afterward because when Hela is going through the armory and she, like we saw. One of the Infinity Gauntlets, there's a left one and a right one. We saw one of them Yeah, and in they the make vaults. a joke saying one of them was yeah, fake. Yeah, she's like fake and she knocks it over. But when she goes over to the Tesseract, which we've seen how powerful this object oh, yeah. is, she's like, ah, that's not bad. I like, I, I like that line because... Well, the Tesseract is able to warp space. Mm-hmm. But that, that, but that, and that's, what, that's all we've seen. We, we as the audience and the Avengers believe these are the final objects. Like, there is nothing more powerful. With Hela just going, ah, it's not bad. She's, she's saying... The Infinity Stones, while powerful, are not the most powerful thing in the universe. They are se- they are stepping up and setting up more things to happen after Infinity yeah, War, the, more the, cosmic threats. The Infinity War films, being a two-part movie, Avengers 3 and 4, while being the culmination and the end of an era, it is definitely not the end of the MCU. No, no. Like, the MCU, I believe, is gonna has lots of stories that they can keep on doing for years to come. The next Spider-Man movie is happening after Infinity War. And I guess War. we can talk about now, kind of shifting from Infinity War to what we expect and what we want to see going after that, going forward from mm-hmm. Infinity War. Which, should we also talk about the other big news that's dropped today? Yes, well, this ties in directly to that. Let's, uh, let's hear it. That's perfect. So... News has reached many outlets, including io9, which I am reading the article off of right now, is that 21st Century Fox is in the process of being sold to Disney. What? What? Honestly, what doesn't Disney own at this point? They own the world. They have the money. They have their hands everywhere. Not not just a bit of money, not a lot of money, the money. Oh, but um, Absolutely. This is exciting because apparently... Fox is... I was excited when I heard that. Oh, I'm so excited The first for thing it. I thought of was Fantastic Four. But uh, in people who have insider information on the deal, apparently Fox is trying to realign their business. They're trying to focus more on news and sports. That's smart. Which Focus, focus on what you're strong at. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of this, they're trying to sell off their entertainment arm, which is 21st Century Fox. Right. And of course, with 21st Century Fox, we have the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Two yes. two Marvel properties that fans have been crying out for over I a think decade. More now. than anything, MCU Fantastic Four is the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Like a Marvel Studios Fantastic Four movie would be so cool. To it see. would be. I, I like the X Men where they are. Like I'm fine with that being separate and ever. But I think more than anything, the MCU like they they need the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I think that would be so cool to see the Fantastic Four. You know, back in back in the fold with Marvel Studios mm-hmm. and positioning, I, I guess, Galactus as the next big threat. Oh, that works! And using Doctor Doom even in future movies, you mm-hmm. know, and the, and bringing the Silver Surfer and the, Annihilus and the all Annihilation cool, War. Yeah, yeah, like they can do so much with the Fantastic Four. I just think that is perfect. That's what Marvel needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're and, uh, they're moving towards that. I think. Yeah, and it's great. And we're just getting a much fuller universe. Yeah, it really is. Like, they've expanded into all these different areas, all these different tones and styles of uh, movies. That I, it's just awesome to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, well, we, we were all stuck. And I was chatting with Mike about it before, and he believed that if Marvel is going to do something after Infinity War, it should be Doom-related. Because there are... Oh, he's there such are a good villain. Such a great villain. Probably one of Marvel's best And then ones. I guess the larger threat would be Galactus, but, mm-hmm. like, Doom would be, like... Doom would be the immediate threat that they'd have to deal with. Galactus is the long game. You're playing the long game, and you'll get to Galactus eventually, but Doom would be like, maybe there would be an arc of like three films involving Doom or something like that. Yeah, not to take anything away from Doom, but I could see him being the Loki to Galactus' Thanos. Yeah, no, I mean, he's not a universal threat Mm -hmm. like Galactus is, you know? 
Well, I even think about Doom. Doom, Doom has, is pretty smart, though. I mean, uh, if anyone read Secret Wars, oh, Doom was God. a Doom was a universal threat. He and was a multiversal threat. I, I can't I can't even see Cannot Doom be as being with. a servant to anybody. No, so I mean, I yeah, I guess I can't even say Doom is not a universal threat. He is. He but, is. But I don't think he'll be like a herald no, of Galactus. No, but yeah, he's he's not what they would I guess be building towards. You know, after so many films, like I think Galactus would be like Endgame. Mm-hmm. But Doom would be like the immediate. Do you think Galactus could hold such a threat and a power to the audience, even though we have seen Thanos in the Infinity War trailer? Thanos is hurling planets. Thanos is crazy and he wields the Infinity Gauntlet, but Galactus is. He's been alive for billions of years. He witnessed the birth of the universe. Like Mm -hmm. he's just an insanely powerful cosmic being that would put Thanos even to shame with his power, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Like. There's not many beings that can rival Galactus. Like, he is one of the universal constants. Yeah, you know, well, he's been there since the beginning. He's just always there, mm-hmm. you know? And if we see, if we ever see Thanos get all the Infinity Stones, he'll have the power of time travel. He'll have yeah, the power like, of he teleportation. Yeah, he can do a lot. He can do whatever. He will be the Mary Sue equivalent of a villain. <laughs> so, I, I can't see Marvel. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to see, but I'm curious to know what they do. Yeah, exactly. I, he may, he might have all of them for like this tiniest smidge of time because you know that the Avengers are going to win mm-hmm. in the end. I mean, oh. there will be some deaths, I'm sure. Yeah, and but like Thanos will be defeated. Like you were saying, like taking ourselves out of the universe, contracts yeah, are dude. running up. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see how they wrap up all their f- kind of flagship heroes. But let's just say I'm very hopeful to see what the next couple years bring. You mm-hmm. know, after 2019, it's it's anyone's guess. You know what could be what Marvel's going to do. I mean, they're going to continue with Spider-Man. You know, he's going to grow as a character. They'll eventually shift him into more of an, an adult Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like the comics. Um, we'll get more Doctor Strange movies, for sure. Like, yes. they're too busy filming Avengers for Benedict Cumberbatch to also be filming a solo Strange movie, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll do another Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. Well, like, And I was reading, the original plan was to shoot Infinity War and Avengers 4 Side by side, yeah. Like, well, they're, they're like filming what they did the, the fourth Avengers right now. Like it's already being worked on. They're working on it right now, but they're not filming just yet because the original plan was to do that. Well, like, they are. I've I've seen set photos. Like oh. they they uh, they just started production though. Mm-hmm. There was there was a bit yeah. of a gap though because just like like you were saying with Benedict Cumberbatch, there was such a hectic problem yeah, with the schedules. Yeah, exactly. That it's like there's like okay, but, we need yeah, gaps. I, for some I other can projects. confirm. I have seen set photos of Avengers Four. It is in production, very early stages right now, but they are currently filming the final Avengers movie, and then we shall see dun, dun, what dun. happens after they're done with that. Yeah. So, I guess we'll wrap up our discussion on Thor Ragnarok. Uh, what grade would you give the movie, Curtis? I think Thor Ragnarok was a super solid movie. There's not... I mean, I always think of movies this way. If I can't really find many flaws in the movie, there's no reason for me to give a movie a bad grade. Mm-hmm. Like, you always start from 100 and then go down. Mm-hmm. I'm always that kind of guy rather than starting from zero and building up. I always start from the top take away what I don't like. But in this case, there really wasn't much I didn't like, so I'd give Thor Ragnarok for like a 9 out of 10. Excellent. It was really good. Nice. Yourself? Uh, I will give the movie a B+. Okay, for, for so me, you're going letter grade then. Letter grade, yeah. We're go, we're, That's I, fair. We well, I guess, a, that I guess a 9 would be an A then. Yeah. I'll, I thought I'll, it was excellent. Yeah, I'll give the... And so that mine will be an 8. But uh, I'll give the movie a B+. Okay. It's... It's not the most philosophical of Marvel no, movies. No, no. It's, it's no Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War. But, my God, do you have such was, an entertaining it, time yeah, watching this movie. it was so fun. Movie. And I guess another justification for my nine score is you have to also rank movies on how well do they achieve what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. So Thor Ragnarok is not Citizen Kane. So Citizen Kane might also be a 9 out of 10 film, while this is also a 9 out of 10 film, but they're very different, so you just also have to look at movies that way too. Mm-hmm. So in this case, I, I give it that score just because it set out to achieve what it did, and I think it did it so well that that's, you know, that's why I gave it a 9. I think it was excellent. Nice. All right, so we have a little bit of time left on the show, so we're actually going to switch gears from talking about Marvel movies to talking about DC movies. Well, we got a big one coming up on the 17th, and that is Justice League. Justice League, the fourth movie in the DC Extended Universe. Are, are you excited for it, Curtis? I am cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hope it delivers 
the thing is, is you, it's hard to know with some of the DC's properties. And I'm a big DC guy. Like, I love DC. I love Marvel. Like, I'm not one over the other. I just want to see good entertainment. Yeah. Correction, actually. Sorry. It is the fifth. Uh, I was forgetting Suicide Squad. But I think uh, that I was just my brain had like have purged no memories of Suicide that. Suicide Squad. It's yeah. a very forgettable movie. But no, I, I'm I'm optimistic. I want to see DC succeed. Like I want to see them do well. I really hope that this is a great movie. Wonder Woman was super enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I had a blast with Wonder Woman. Uh, bringing all these uh, characters together, I I think that you know if they really are true, if they're true to the characters, then Justice League can't fail because Justice League are they're inherently likable. Like mm-hmm. all these characters like are likable, you know. Yeah, I find um, the status of the DC EU comparable to DC Comics right now, because uh, for me, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman were the new Fifty Two. It was it was glamorous, it was flashy, but there, at times there was it was too dark, yeah. uh, lacking a little substance at right. times. Uh, not to say that I don't love Man of Steel. I loved it. It was a great movie. Batman vs. Superman. Ultimate Cut is a lot better than the theatrical version. It, it's a better it's a better flow. But near the end of the New 52, that's when you kind of had a lot of problems building up. Yeah. Like, um, I think at one point, like, you had Superman pretty much go back to his 30s powers and his <laughs> identity revealed to the planet, which was kind of like, um, oh, man. all right, let's, how, let's see how this plays out. And DC sales had pretty much dropped to their new 52 level, mm-hmm. like their pre-new 52 level. And I compare that period to pretty much Suicide Squad, where we saw, hopefully, the DCEU at its worst. I hope so, because Suicide Squad was... Oh, that was a rough yeah. one. That was a rough film for me. And uh, But Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, just like DC Rebirth... Wonder Woman was great. ...came back, showed us just how well, great these films Well, they were true to Wonder be. Woman. And one, if you're true to your character then you can't fail because if your character is awesome and you're true to that and you respect that, then people are also going to enjoy, you know, what you love about that character as well. Mm-hmm. You know? It was it, it was much more of a... You, you understood why she was a hero. Yeah. You, Wonder yeah. Woman is a hero and yeah, she's a great hero. She explains it properly in the movie. And, and, ju- and just like with DC Rebirth, we see a, almost a complete turnaround. Yeah, they were very accurate to her. It was fun. It was... Serious, but even had moments of lighthearted humor. It was everything that a Wonder Woman movie should be, mm-hmm. and, and I think they delivered that. But now we have we have to see if that trend continues. I know we can't call it a trend, just one movie, but we have to see if Justice League lives up to it. We have Gal Gadot's super, superb performance and uh, Ben Affleck's ben superb Affleck performance. Ben Affleck is a great Batman, he and is. we have Jason Momoa and uh, Ray Fisher and Ezra Miller as. Uh, Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash, respectively. But can they deliver if Zack Snyder is still the director? Well, that's the whole thing with Whedon taking over after Snyder had to step down. So we'll see what flavor this movie has, if it has more of a Snyder or more of a Whedon flavor or Mm a 50-50. Honestly, I don't know. Like This movie was plagued with lots of rumors and things with issues behind the scenes Mm -hmm. with all the reshoots. But honestly... I just want to be optimistic. I never like to assume the worst about anything. It's always just assume the best and hope that things will work out the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. So we shall see is what my opinion on Justice League is. Yeah. Like you say we could have a mix of Scott Snyder, sorry, Zack Snyder. Scott Snyder. Uh, Zack Snyder. <laughs> we'll talk and about uh, upcoming titles, which Scott Snyder does have some stuff coming we up. We do have to talk about the upcoming yeah. titles. Um, yeah, just to wrap up the discussion on Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, they're two very different directors. Um, hopefully, we, we kind of hope that one vision kind of takes over from the other, mm-hmm. whichever that is. But I think a mesh of them would just be too, uh, too yeah, zany and too true, out eh? there. But um, I'm I'm optimistic Good. for Justice like League, but I'm not hedging all of my bets. I'm I, I'm excited. Well, I'm definitely going to go see it. But we'll certainly let you guys know, you yeah. know, the Tuesday after that comes out, what we thought of Justice League, and we will have a discussion on that. You will hear sure. every facet of the movie. From oh yeah. Us. Yeah. So, sorry, uh, Curtis, you were also mentioning the upcoming releases for this week. Yeah, so basically kind of to put a, put a cap on tonight's discussion, we're going to close out the show with uh, new releases and bestsellers. Um, so basically anything that you're looking forward to as far as tomorrow goes, new releases that you're especially hyped for. Myself? Yeah. Um, three issues that are kind of uh, hyping me up right now. 
Um, Batman the Batman Lost, which is a tie-in for Dark Knight's Metal right now. Yeah. And I believe it's going to pretty much explain where Batman is at the moment and how he's going to escape. Because in issue two of Dark Knight's Metal, he was captured by the forces of Barbados. Yeah. And since then, we had issue three showing just how dark the universe has gotten. And of course, we'd have, we've had all the tie-ins for all the different Batman of the Dark Multiverse. But this is going to be great, where we actually kind of see the end game forming. Yeah, so we have that. Uh, new Mr. Miracle tomorrow. That has been a stellar series. Loving that. Uh, other key or big releases. I mean, we're not going to go over every single release. Mm-hmm. There's a lot coming out tomorrow, but those two are big ones. Uh, Daredevil, mm-hmm. uh, 595 from Marvel. That kicks off a new uh, Mayor Fisk storyline, and that's by Charles Soule. Excited to see where that goes. Uh, Moon Knight 188 is the start of a new Moon Knight storyline. I'm excited for that, uh, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Star Wars 33. Yeah, that's, that's, a re- that's a really big release, too. Which uh, w- It was 33 or... Um, anyway, it's the new Star Wars issue. And this kicks off Kieran Gillen's, who wrote Darth Vader. Yeah, Kieran Gillen's great. run of the, new, of the main Star Wars book. We've had uh, Jason Aaron as the main writer since its inception in 2015, I believe. And it had its highs and lows, uh, pretty pretty good run all the way through. But it's gonna nice. It's gonna be nice to see Kieran Gillen's personal take on the yeah. main Star Wars universe. And then we just have uh, a lot of other things coming out: new Detective Comics, new Action Comics. Uh, Is there a new Action Comics coming out? Uh, there's. I think it's like nine. They're on nine ninety one. Nine ninety one tomorrow. Yeah, so they're, they're edging closer to a thousand. Yeah, we're nearing the end of the Oz Effect storyline. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're continuing that with Detective Comics. It's uh, a lonely. I think it's what like the lonely place for living. Or yeah, something. it's a play on a lonely place of dying. Yeah, like that I think classic this is Tim Drake's story. Yeah, it's where it's where Tim Drake has disappeared, and it's kind of showing it from his perspective yeah. and how he's coming back. And uh, of course, we have also the Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Hardcover omnibus. That's a nice release that I'm excited for. I'm a big fan of those collected editions. Of Batman and Robin from the New 52. Yeah, that omnibus collects their full run on that series. Uh, And to tie things up, I'm going to go over last week's bestsellers being Batman the Devastator, number one, Mm -hmm. which is a one-shot, continuing into the tie-ins of Dark Knight's Metal by Snyder, Scott Snyder. Uh, Batman 34, so that uh, was a I guess the start of the second part of a new Batman storyline, which is always popular by Tom King. Uh, Batman White Knight, which is a continuation. uh, That was issue two by uh, Sean Murphy. Mm -hmm. And then Justice League 32, Walking Dead 173, Superman 34, Captain America 695. Oh, we got to talk about Captain America. Yeah, that was a start of uh, Mark Wade's run, which got really good reviews. It was. I, I, I read it. It was fantastic. Took Cap back to his roots. I love it. Of course. Of I course. mean, it's Mark Wade, Chris Samney. Uh, How could you go wrong, I right? I was not a fan of Secret Empire at all, and it's clear they kind of left were. it in the, win- in the <laughs> rearview mirror. Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number seven. Paper Girls issue 17. That's Brian K. Vaughn. Kind of a Stranger Things-like comic. And lastly, Dead Man number one by uh, none, other, none other than Neil Adams. All righty, folks. Well, you have it there. That was last week's best-selling comics. Thank you very much for joining us on this week's episode of Beyond the panel for our discussion of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, tune in next week at Tuesday, 5.30, same time, same place, to hear more of our discussion on comic books. You guys have a good rest of your week. Take See it you easy. See you next week.